Hello everyone and welcome to the October 18th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folds with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal has limited discovery of HIV patient records in an employee's industrial claim against a hospital. Suzanne McKnight claimed workers' compensation benefits based on allegations that she contracted HIV as a result of her work with an HIV-infected children while she was employed in a hospital's parent-infant program. McKnight was employed in the program from 1981 until 1999. In 1996, McKnight recalls that she had a fever and rash that lasted five to seven days, followed by weight loss and other symptoms over the next few years. After an extensive workup, an HIV test was obtained in 2002, which was positive. McKnight has claimed to have no documented HIV risk factors and claims the only risk was her exposure to children at work. The parties submitted conflicting expert reports addressing the possibility that McKnight contracted HIV as a result of her work in the hospital. The parties agreed to a stipulation in order for discovery information. Based on the available records, none of the 278 children in the program during the three-year period from 1994 to 1996 were found to be HIV-infected. McKnight then sought an enhanced discovery order allowing her to examine the medical records of the children going back to the 1980s and forward to 1999. The workers' compensation judge entered an order agreeing that discovery should be expanded. The hospital timely submitted a petition for removal asking the WCAB to remove the proceedings to itself to limit this discovery. The WCAB denied the petition for removal and adopted the recommendation of the workers' comp judge allowing enhanced discovery. The hospital then filed a petition for review and the Court of Appeal reversed the enhanced discovery order in an unpublished opinion. The court noted that California is at the forefront of legislative activity to protect HIV confidentiality. Health and Safety Code Section 120975 contains narrowly defined exceptions to the discovery of HIV records. None of the exceptions apply to this case. Even though the discovery order did not require the disclosure of the names of the individuals who have tested HIV positive, the order still required the production of sufficient identifying information so that the purpose behind the privacy law would be jeopardized. Caremark is the target of a key Tom whistleblower lawsuit over some of their charges for prescription drugs. A key Tom action is authorized by the False Claims Act, which allows people who are not affiliated with the government to file actions against federal or state contractors claiming that the government has been defrauded. It assumes that the government is ambivalent or unwilling to file the lawsuit on their own. Persons filing under the Act stand to receive a portion of what they recover for the government. TTOM actions have recently become popular methods for major national plaintiff law firms to recover huge fees. These actions are similar to class actions in that the monetary amounts are typically quite high. 
CVS Caremark employs over 200,000 people to staff a network of approximately 60,000 pharmacies, including more than 7,000 CVS pharmacy stores across the nation. Broadly summarized, the 2006 lawsuit alleges that Caremark has entered into a number of contracts with CalPERS to provide members with mail and retail prescription drugs in exchange for hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer money. Plaintiffs claim that drugs provided under those plans were sometimes returned to the company's distribution facilities due to damage in transit or because the medications or dosages were not correct or the mailing address was not correct. The complaint further alleges that Caremark did not credit or pay back or refrain from billing CalPERS for those returned drugs. Caremark did not always destroy returned drugs either. Instead, they sometimes restocked the returned drugs into inventory for resale. In short, Caremark sold the same prescription drugs twice and was compensated for both transactions according to the allegations of the lawsuit. The case is now in the discovery phase. Caremark unsuccessfully appealed a 2009 discovery sanctions order against them. The reporter's transcript of the hearing on sanctions and fees shows that the trial court expressly found that Caremark had been acting in bad faith in terms of all of this discovery. Many California workers' compensation claims administrators use Caremark for dispensing prescription drugs to injured workers. These administrators may wish to conduct an investigation to determine if there is any similar or unlawful practice that might affect the cost of claims. The Court of Appeal agreed with arguments presented by SEGA that a fireman's fund policy provided in a general special employment situation was other insurance absolving SEGA of liability. Here's what happened in the published opinion. Rocket Science Laboratories provided employees for the production of a film known as Temptation Island. Payday Incorporated agreed to be the employer and make payments to employees, including workers' compensation. Thomas Colmeria was hired as supervising producer for Temptation Island. He injured his back during the production and claimed workers' compensation benefits. Payday was insured by Reliance National Indemnity Company and Rocket Science was insured for workers' comp by Fireman's Fund. When Reliance became insolvent, the California Insurance Guarantee Association took over their claims. Fireman's Fund then asked to be dismissed as defendants. The WCAB denied their request, finding that Payday and Rocket Science were jointly and severally liable employers for workers' comp. The Fireman's Fund policy language was clear and provided unlimited coverage without the, any exclusion for employees like Colmeria. SEGA is not liable if there was other insurance that would apply to the injury. Fireman's Fund and Rocket Science petitioned for a writ of review in the Court of Appeal. Fireman's Fund contended that the two employers intended in their contract with each other that employees like Colmeria would be covered by the workers' comp policy provided by Reliance and not by the Fireman's Fund policy. The Court of Appeal disagreed. The Court concluded that coverage under the Fireman's Fund policy was clear and unlimited without the statutory exclusion for employees like Colmeria and that the policy provisions control. The dismissal of SEGA was affirmed 
and the matter was remanded for further proceedings consistent with their opinion. AIG has been in bitter litigation in a suit brought by their major competitors that alleged they underreported premiums on workers' comp policies. In many states, insurers are required to contribute funds to a pool to help cover payments to injured workers. The contribution amounts are determined from the size of each insurer's work comp business. AIG has been accused by rivals and others in court filings and other venues of underreporting the size of its work comp business for decades. In 2006, AIG agreed to set aside more than $300 million in a settlement with New York insurance regulators and the New York Attorney General over these allegations without admitting or denying wrongdoing. The company has in turn accused some of its competitors, including Liberty Mutual, of understating their own workers' comp insurance premiums. The suit was in front of a federal judge last week for a determination of whether the case would have class action status. AIG argued that class certification in the case would be inappropriate. There is no determination yet by the court as to whether or not this will or will not become a class action. And now our fraud report. 44 people have been charged in a $100 million coast-to-coast -coast Medicare fraud scheme. An Armenian-American crime syndicate stole the identities of doctors and thousands of patients and used them and more than 100 spurious clinics in 25 states to perpetrate this fraud. Medicare was billed for more than $100 million for treatments that were not performed by any doctor on any patients. Prosecutors said the case represented the largest Medicare fraud operation ever carried out by a single group that resulted in criminal charges. The group succeeded in stealing $35 million in Medicare reimbursements before the arrests were made. Armin Kazarian, who was arrested in California, is allegedly VOR a term that means thief-in-law and refers to a member of a select group of high-level criminals from Russia and the countries that had been part of the Soviet Union, including Armenia. Other Californian arrests included four Glendale residents and three other Van Nuys residents who authorities claim established at least eight fraudulent medical clinics in the Los Angeles region. Most of the, those arrested were members of the Armenian group, but others were doctors, lawyers, and patients. And in regulatory news, the California DWC officially announced that the minimum and maximum temporary total disability rates for 2011 will not change. The minimum TD rate will remain $148 and the maximum TD rate will remain $986.69. Labor Code Section 4453 requires that the rate for TTD be increased each year by an amount equal to the percentage increase in the state average weekly wage as compared to the prior year. In the 12 months ending March 31, the state average weekly wage declined from $984 to $979. Therefore, the TTD rate for 2011 will be unchanged. Under Labor Code Section 4659C, workers with dates of injury on or after January 1, 2003, who are receiving life pensions or permanent total disability benefits are also entitled to have their weekly rate adjusted. 
The decline in the state average weekly wage dictates that these rates also remain unchanged. The California Office of Administrative Law has ruled that State Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner's Iranian investment regulations were improper. Earlier this year, the Department of Insurance identified 50 companies that were doing business with the Iranian energy, nuclear, and defense sectors. Poisner then claimed that no Iranian investment held by an insurer would be recognized on that insurer's financial statements in California. The commissioner also requested that insurers licensed to do business in California agree to a moratorium on future investments in any of the companies on the list. While many insurers voluntarily agreed to the moratorium, the Association of California Insurance Companies, the Association of California Life and Health Insurance Companies, the Personal Insurance Federation of California, and the American Insurance Association all expressed concern with the regulation. They filed a petition with the Office of Administrative Law seeking a decision as to whether the state insurance commissioner's rules on Iran investment activity constituted an underground regulation. State agencies are required to meet the requirements of the Administrative Procedures Act before they adopt any regulations. Otherwise, the regulation is deemed to be an underground regulation that is not enforceable. The Office of Administrative Law issued its decision this month, which found the insurance commissioner's Iranian investment regulations were not in compliance with the Administrative Procedures Act. Los Angeles City Attorney Carmen Trutanich announced a series of reforms to his office's workers' compensation unit in response to a city controller audit. Trutanich, who said the program was in disarray when he took office last year, has reassigned seven attorneys to the unit and established a new peer review process. The announced reforms were among the recommendations in City Controller Wendy Gruel's audit, which looked at the performance of the unit during the term of previous city attorney Rocky Delgadillo. In 2008, when then-controller Laura Chick tried to conduct an audit on the workers' comp program, Delgadillo refused to give her access. When Trutanich took office last year, he invited Gruel, who had just been elected controller, to his office and told her to proceed with the audit. The city has a huge backlog of unsettled workers' comp cases, including some that are 30 to 40 years old. The city faces about 8,400 workers' compensation claims each year. Between 500 to 1,000 of those cases are opened for litigation. The California Commission on Health and Safety and Workers' Compensation, or Cheswick, distributed a 31-page report which evaluated the current QME process. They studied many issues such as supply, demand, and delay problems, and the potential for systematic bias and abuse. Cheswick concluded that the number of providers registered as QMEs declined by about 45% between 2005 and 2010. However, this decline was nearly the same as the decline in disabling injuries. Thus, the decline in registered QMEs likely did not lead to scheduling problems and delays. Problems in scheduling QMEs are the result of mismatches in the demand and supply of specific specialties, they claim. For example, orthopedic specialists account 
for only 25% of registered QMEs, but an orthopedic specialty is requested 45 to 65% of the time. While this ratio has remained stable, it does suggest that efforts should be made to expand the pool of orthopedists willing to participate as QMEs. Other specialties with potential for delays are pain specialists and hand specialists who are also underrepresented relative to the number of panel requests. Requests for pain specialists have been increasing dramatically over the past several years. Psychologists and psychiatrists are somewhat overrepresented in registrations, but there may be an increasing problem with scheduling these specialists. Their evaluations typically require more face-to-face -face time, and the number of such requests for psych specialists has increased dramatically since 2005, currently representing over 12.5% of all panel QME requests. Cheswick has concern about evidence that a subset of QMEs tend to dominate assignments because they register multiple offices in different geographical locations. Aggregation of the QME process to fewer providers threatens the random assignment process and offers more opportunity for bias in assignment to creep into the process. The DWC is currently amending the QME regulations to limit the number of multiple offices a QME can register. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPod, your iPhone, or your iPad by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.